Hello and um, welcome to a special <laughs> bonus episode, a joint operation of What a Hell of a Waste of World There's Your Problem. Die. Yes. Die. Would this, I guess this, <laughs> Nate, would this be considered a combined operation or a joint operation? I think combined is when it's multiple branches of the same military and joint if it's cross borders. So technically. Yeah. Yeah. So this would technically be a combined joint and, operation. And Alice is in like seven different militaries. But Liam and I are civilians. So I, I don't know if we're just contractors. No, we got or what. drafted, bud. We're in here now. Combined <laughs> joint task force. Well, there's your hell of a way to problem. That's right. You know who it is. Yeah. It's it's Francis, it's Nate, it's me, Liam, and Justin. And we're here to talk Hello. about the M2 Bradley Armored Fighting Vehicle. Seen here, I guess. This is the underneath. Scandalous. Is it? I can't tell. I can't see the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, could, it could be almost anything, but we, we have to take it on faith. We flip a lot of tanks over in mud, so <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, having dealt with Bradleys, I was when I was in Korea. My last unit it was a combined arms battalion of two companies of Bradleys and two companies of tanks. And um, Bradleys are hilarious in the sense that they are heavier than most countries' main battle tanks. And obviously, uh, Abrams tanks are like twice the weight of most countries' main battle tanks. So there's not a bridge or a culvert in Korea that can really handle an Abrams or even a Bradley for that matter. So you just constant water crossings. Like my memories are wet feet and the smell of exhaust from those fucking things. And they uh. suck. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I've been, I've never piloted a Bradley. I didn't have to do Bradley gunnery, but I mean, in the sense of being a gunner or a TC or whatever, but I've been in them a bunch. I've worn the old timey headsets and shit and it smells bad. And I am very much looking forward to watching um, the Bradley get excoriated. So I am, I'm just going to sit here and rub my hands together in a, in a mischievous, joyful way. I'm going to end up being the Bradley defender probably. That's well, fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm also slightly the, I mean, it's still, don't get me wrong. It's still a huge piece of shit, but they, their heart was in the right place, I guess. Mm. That's a, that's some real military defense there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Homer's heart was in the right place when he designed the Homer, but, uh, and the Bradley oh, God, is the it does kind of, of look like the Homer. Okay. It, it does actually look like the Homer. Like the Homer it, yeah. So is the Br Homer. Bradley so. of the ditch. What is your wisdom? Uh, so I, I thought what I'd do is, because I made the slides for this one, because this is technically my rotation of the bonus episode on the Well There's Your Problem chronology. And yeah. so for Well There's Your Problem listeners who are more civilian-oriented, I thought I would go back a bit and explain where the Bradley comes from. So, uh, next slide, please. Oh boy. Oh boy. We went back too far. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to explain the concept of infantry. Uh, it's when you this guy, guy right here walking. is having a bad day. Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. <laughs> the guy what next to him is like, "What friend. the fuck? You got shot? You know, Steve, you okay, bud?" <laughs> <laughs> so, like infantry, oldest combat formation in history. Child can do it. That's why it's called that. Um, what does it do? It closes with and it destroys the enemy. This is a podcast about the closing with part, which has been kind of fraught historically because walking sucks. You, you guys know that. Close with and destroy the enemy by me by method of fire and maneuver. Yes, that's uh, that's my former job. And yes, it sucks. Uh, I was a light infantryman. I was an airborne infantryman for a while, and then I was a, a staff weenie in a combined arms battalion. So I have I have both done the heavy rucking and I've also done the tank abortion thing that's called the Bradley and dealt with all of it. And honestly, I would rather have a heavy rucksack than deal with these pieces of shit. 
We must reject modernity, embrace tradition, but tradition is carrying a fucking halberd. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, okay, let's be perfectly honest here. The Bradley has an immense amount of firepower, so that if you need that, it is very nice. But as far as training and the normal run of life, uh, it's just a big, heavy, loud, bad-smelling piece of shit. And uh, Please don't call me that on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, sir, sir, the Br Bradley is literally my middle name, so I should defend this thing. <laughs> but actually, it sucks. It's named after Omar Bradley. Uh, the guy who I believe wound up, he was a World War II general and he wound up, uh, like leading the VA in its first incarnation. Um, I believe he was extremely racist and opposed the integration of the army, uh, post-World War II. You're telling so, me a, a World War II general officer was racist? My God. Yeah, hard wild. to believe, right? So, yeah, uh, it's, uh, being an infantryman basically means, um, you are the person who does the shooting and the moving. And uh, this is one of the mechanisms by which you get mm. to do that. Yeah. Um, a tank that's not a tank. We, we've, we've established, right, a lot of problems with infantry in that it, it sucks walking. Uh, and also, like, people are shooting at you with stuff. You might get killed before you're supposed to get killed, which is, you know... Embarrassing, yes. if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Um, Imagine getting killed on the walks to the battle. Yeah, this guy right here wasn't supposed to get killed for another, like, 50 meters. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what being a general officer is? Is just being like, no, you're not supposed to get killed yet. You're supposed to get killed up here. He's the guy that found the gopher hole. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you make the close with part close with you? How do you make it faster? And for a long time... Horses. Yeah, hoss. Horse soldier. Uh, mm -hmm. we got here is Dragoons. You don't really get a Dragoon anymore, which is a shame. Um, Dragoon is a very cool class to have in Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. But I don't think the actual job was particularly cool. No. Uh, it's I mean, just, I it's you a, a cut-rate cavalryman, right? Like, you ride the horse, and then when you get to the battle, you get off the horse and you fight his infantry. But they still have to train you to ride the horse. So... You know, it sucks. The only benefit is like it's it's cheaper than cavalry, and they can keep up with cavalry. What does the horse yeah, I, do after you jump off the horse? Does he just get stand killed? Out? Probably goes to the oat farm. <laughs> you you hide behind it and let it like absorb the bullets being shot at you. <laughs> that's that's the users of 17th century something awful. They were called dragoons. <laughs> dragoons and platoons. Just just, yeah. just just fucking big peeler running around and nailing feces to the wall with a hammer <laughs> about how much of a badass he is. What do you mean you have to pay 10 guineas to join the forum? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, post, you posted a fucking, you know, a, a, a woodblock print of goat See, Now you have to pen, pay 10 more guilders to get into the forum. <laughs> what are the odds that George Washington will be killed within the first two weeks of engagement? High. Civilian casualties. Under a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah just grover going in on fucking continentals restocking snacky cake machines you're waiting you're all with, this done on vellum uh, you got a, you got a bunch of libertarians waiting for the revaluation of the continental yeah <laughs> all right, oh, next man. slide please so horses uh, they work and they work good for a long time and by work good i mean they get killed but you know it's 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 fine like this is the nazis invading the soviet union and they're walking with horse drawn carts there's a lot of soviet union some some would say that there was like a large amount of russia and yes. so this is sort of a problem like what 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 can we do about this i remember reading alan clark's book 
Barbarossa. And that was something that was interesting to me was just even in the initial portion of the initial months of the invasion of, of the Soviet Union, like their supply chains were so spread out because all they had were just like, you know, stolen French trucks from the invasion of France. Mm. And it's just like hundreds and hundreds of miles of road between each city that was just bog. So yeah, it kind of makes sense why they would go with horse because um, shitty, you know, 1940s, 1930s vintage trucks on the famously good road network of the Soviet <laughs> Union uh, leading, you know, into the, the border with Poland. I can only imagine that uh, they were not, they were not leaning on that mechanical stuff for too long before it all broke. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think about how shitty like our mechanical stuff is now. Like, yeah, it's not that it's not that shitty. It's just like, you know, it's got more, more points to break down, but also like, you know, yeah, you could, you could probably take a, a Brad, a track Bradley or uh, Abrams tank through a bog now, but, Man, that shit back in the forties, things just stopped working just because fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Like if 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 nothing else, like horses are somewhat better at keeping themselves alive than like you'd expect. Thing kind of gets through the rust boutiques, but like people people get very tired of horses, right? We got to do something better than the horses, and so the next few slides we're gonna have alternatives. Next slide, please. Ah, the wheeled horse. <laughs> Yes. This is, this ding is, ding, bitch. This is me on my way to a Trash Future live show, carrying all my shit on my bike. Yeah, that's right. You can put you can put infantry on bicycles. You can do that. Uh, I don't know why you do that though. It's stupid as hell. Um, yeah, uh, it's ego it. conscious. Yeah, you, you, can, you can go very fast on a bicycle. I would love to. Ro- I would love to watch Roz with like a mounted machine gun. On his bike, just taking on the people who cut him off on Spruce Street. <laughs> the, uh, You've done this for the last time. Problem is, though, right? Like to to do the infantry thing, you got to carry a lot of shit, and those guys have like a bolt action rifle, a canteen, and a mat, and that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. light. That's fine. You need a cargo bike with uh, a machine gun and a guy uh, and a gunner. Oh, around, you know? Well, now that now we're a technical. Yeah. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about this. The Viet Cong used uh, used bicycle, but not like bicycle infantry to move. It was more bicycle resupply. So they had built bikes that were able to handle dirt roads and you know in in the tropical climate. Um, if I remember correctly, they may have. I don't know if they were wood wheels or if they actually had metal wheels, but uh, these things were super rugged. Like they had you know, front and rear fenders, they had uh, saddlebags, they had all this stuff. And similarly, they also used bicycles, and I'm not joking, like, uh, whereas the Wall Street Journal or whomever designed that crazy infographic of Bin Laden's secret layer that was like, you know, the most advanced bunker in history, the Viet Cong actually, uh, and the North Vietnamese Army, used bicycle, basically stationary bikes to generate power inside their underground bunkers. Like someone was just like, all right, your, your shift ride for 30 minutes to generate the light bulb power. I love how that's not <laughs> oh, even God. close to the worst job you could have had in that war was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a generator. <laughs> I, w- I will say one thing in defense of bicycle infantry, which is that the Japanese army did take Singapore with them, but that was largely due to the expedient of British people being very stupid. I would just say too that if you look at something like like Nijmegen, where you know I, I, to get to you know, in the Battle of the Bulge, you had paratroopers having to uh, walk twenty five miles a day with their gear and packs and weapons and stuff, you know, four days straight to get uh, to. I, I can't remember if it was to get to Nijmegen or get out of Nijmegen. I just know that it's commemorated, you know, with like a ceremonial hundred mile march now. And uh, yeah, clearing 25 miles if it's just an approach march with bikes is so much fucking easier than walking for sure. But there's just like the big logistical complaint here is A, 
what do you do? How do you get the bikes? How do you get rid of the bikes? Can you carry all your shit on your bikes? I wouldn't want to be carrying, you know, uh, a, a medium machine gun and all the ammo and spare barrels trying to balance on a bike. And I feel like the bike wouldn't like it either and would probably break. <laughs> but uh, as far as like doing approach marches go, like, yeah, if, if the terrain supports it, it would be, it's incredible. I mean, it would be awesome because sur- it sure beats just hamburgering the fuck out of your feet walking that far. Even if you've trained for it, like, it still sucks. Critical support for bicycle infantry. Yes. They really should have just, you know, I, and I'm with you, Nate, because now I'm looking at, like, how do we make this work? And it's like, you can make, like, a tuk-tuk, or you can make, like, a rickshaw, mm-hmm. and then you've got a place to put all of your shit, and if you need, like, if you need expedience, you can just, like, unhook your bike. Like, if you put, like, a baby carrier full of guns behind this bike. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the bicycling baby carriers? Like, yeah. I've seen people in my neighborhood uh, use those for, like, taking their groceries around or, like, scrap metal and shit like that. Um if you just put a bunch of guns back there and then just like shit, the cops are on me. Oh, dump the guns, get out of here. That's the real we'll never it out. like the real pandemic planning. The real shit hits just the fan leading stuff a trail is... of car ninety eights behind you. <laughs> 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 never mind those. Hey, if you want to, if you need to arm a militia for under a grand, man, Mosin Nagants and uh, bicycles and, and bicycles and bicycles, yeah. But now, now we got to go to the other end of this, which is Nate has slightly anticipated on the next slide. I don't know. Bicycles get pretty expensive oh, pretty quick. Oh, <laughs> Aha, yes. That's a title uh, drop. A very, uh, yes. uh, a very extremely useful and contemporary method of deploying <laughs> troops into combat. <laughs> the, the, now, now, let me let me let me throw one thing in here because feel free to rip on the airborne. But I will say this much. Airborne makes sense if you're dropping a division's worth of people into one place at one time. Other than that, helicopters make more make way more sense. And yeah. the reason why they don't get used is because we haven't done. I mean, aside from like literally, so that they said they could say that they did dropping the 173rd Airborne Brigade into Iraq during the invasion. Uh, they, this isn't really used that often because of the fact that it makes zero sense for this kind of a troop deployment unless you need like you know four brigades worth of dudes on the ground yeah and and even then at a pinch like when have you needed that since market garden right like yeah well i mean i i think my my favorite part of paratroop air you know of, of airborne deployment and the whole lore behind it is that you know the Germans took Crete with the uh, Fallschirmjägers, the German paratroopers, and they said, "Man, fuck that shit, never again. This is so stupid. We lost so many people." And the Americans saw it. And they're like, "Jesus, what a great idea! Just fucking throw guys fucking out of throw them in there, boys." And they lost them to like Bernard Freiburg, one of the lesser generals on the Allied side of the war, too. It's really like, ugh. but as we've said before, and I hope we're not repeating a joke from our previous episode. I have such a dad memory, I can't remember the German paratrooper doctrine involved people would fall with maybe sidearms or knives attached to them but they would have containers like like they drop parachute containers with submachine guns or carbines so basically they they did Fortnite in real life for dropping there boys <laughs> I guess I guess the other problem with the sort of uh with parachute infantry is that you have to have enough people with normal enough brains to do it like and and normal enough knees and backs and yeah. shoulder blades depending on how you hit like i looked i i was offered airborne to like hey i mean you're a reservist but we'll you know we could get you airborne we could do that and then i watched like airborne drops and it's not like you know when you watch like oh here comes you know the guy at the football game and he's going to uh parachute in and and land so lightly mm-hmm. and then wave at the crowd no you fucking hit like a ton of bricks mm. and you're carrying like so you're already your own body, and then how much how much shit do you have on you, Nate? Like your body armor, your helmet, and then 
you typically I've never jumped with body armor because hilariously we've only I didn't jump in combat and the fact is your ceramic plates are more valuable than your body to the <laughs> army so they're not going to make us drop our body armor in our but what you would probably do in real life my best guess is you wouldn't jump wearing your body armor you would jump with it in your pack um yeah. but you you jump you, what you do is the parachute has, you know, uh, it's like a big backpack, kind of like a pack frame with a cloth pack where the parachute is bundled up in the back. Then you strap on a um, a reserve parachute across your abdomen. And that, uh, the harness has two hooks on it, which would then you then connect to your rucksack, which is basically suspended upside down. It hangs from the front of you. Um, and you have a release on your rucksack to basically when you get close to like uh, you know, maybe like I think it's 100, 200 feet up from from landing. You drop it, and so you jettison your ruck. It's connected to you, but basically it lands first because if you land with your ruck, it's going to hurt like shit. And typically, uh, if you're jumping into an actual exercise where I mean, you you would you would probably expect to not be resupplied for at least two or three days at most, and probably longer than that. So I mean, let me just put it this way. You're, you're going to have all your food, all your water, all your ammo, all your equi- specialty equipment, communications equipment, um, you know, any kind of like uh, stuff you need, uniforms, boots, et cetera, stuff you need to survive with. Um, if you are a, a typically light infantry, you're going to have mortars too. So mortarmen are going to jump the base plates. They're going to jump the tubes. They're going to jump all of their measuring equipment that they need. Um, you're going to the radio guys are jumping their fucking radios. Uh, I mean, it's the one time that I did a full combat load for a training exercise because I mean, when I was a, a platoon leader in an airborne unit, uh, typically the platoon leader jumps his radio man's ruck and the radio man carries the platoon leader's ruck because if if you get separated, the platoon leader needs to be able to talk. So like you want to have him have the radio first. And yeah, that shit was probably 90 pounds. So 90 pounds on top of hanging off the front of you on top of your parachute on top of all your gear and your helmet and all that stuff. And when you land, you you, you basically that you get brought down fast enough to not die or seriously break your ass if you do it correctly. But you're not brought down like gingerly because the idea is you're supposed to come down so fast it's hard for people to fucking shoot you. Um, so when you land, you just, you, no matter how good your technique, unless you're really, really shit hot on it and you have a lot of experience, which I mean, I jumped, I think 14, 15 times in my career, you don't have that much experience until you get, so like younger soldiers, privates, et cetera, you don't have that much experience and you just fucking break your ass. You just, just roll ass overhead, no matter how good your technique, it always happens. And so it just sucks. I mean, every time I ever ran drop zone safety as a, as an officer, I mean, it was easy every single time, three, four people had to be taken out in an ambulance. Like, it's just not for like serious shit. There's like for concussions <laughs> and stuff. It's not a great race. Like, what yeah, is, what these, were, these were, were, were like 300, way. 400 people. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just say this is the reason why this isn't done very often anymore is because unless you need to put 10,000 people in the same space really quickly, it's just stupid dangerous. However, I do want to I do want to say that if you really want to watch some great airborne drops, uh, look up Humvee airborne drop. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch the one where somebody cut the straps, and so two two or three Humvees are just hucked out of the back of a C seventeen and just smashed into Didn't the ground. The guy <laughs> who filmed that get demoted or something? Yes, yes. he got UCMJ for basically uh, making for the laughing. army laughing, for laughing, and making the army look bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't put three Humvees uh, face in the sand, then. Yeah. Uh, oh. get, hey, the next slide, please. We had another option, uh, which is wet troops. Mm-hmm. You can just uh, jump yes. out the front of a boat, uh, which is very nice if the, you have, your enemy has a coastline. Um, 
And if they <laughs> if they don't have that, then you just have a whole arm of service that exists to duplicate existing doctrine, but louder and dumber. Hoorah! <laughs> Hoorah! I see the joke right here. <laughs> the Marine Corps has been actually funding a ton of money into the into intelligence agencies to stop Bhutan from getting the bomb because they cannot be ashamed out of having a fucking amphibious landing. You know. <laughs> well, the good news is, like, this is a growth industry because see, coastlines. There's only going to be more of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't do a landing craft there yet, but give us about twenty years. The Marines just start focusing resources into being able to quickly build canals to access <laughs> landlocked areas. We have combat engineers. I love the idea of you like riding up to some landlocked country and being paratropped in and then you have to like dig a canal <laughs> <laughs> and then the marines come in like three mm -hmm. weeks later and they're just like ah amphibious landing. The Dutch marines are like I don't know what you're talking about. This is normal. Alright so we can rule this one out. Uh, next Inland line, Navy. It does look the coolest, yeah. I will say. Uh, I mean, this one, this picture looks really cool, but you can also Google some really fucking embarrassing amphibious uh, oh, I'm sure. landings just with the Marines. Where everybody just, oh, everybody just Vomiting eating shit. Constantly. Because, yeah, I mean, it's the ocean. It fucking, you're, depending on when you're getting, you know, dumped out of it, you could suddenly get hit by a, a, a wave and a wave only needs to be waist high to knock you on your ass, especially when you're top heavy with a bunch of shit. I really wonder, like, if you go back to that, uh, um, the the Marine there, I really mm. wonder, like, how much shit is being used to strap that rifle directly to his chest? Because Lance Corporal here, if he drops this in the ocean, it's never coming back, and nor will his career. <laughs> so I just, I also think about, like, when I look at training stuff, because I know this is training, because if you look at the front, there's a, a blank firing adapter. You see that red thing on the, the tip of the, of the yeah. rifle, that's, uh, that is, that is the, um, blank firing adapter, but he's carrying, uh, if you look at where his hand, you see he's got his left hand, he's got his wedding ring, and then go to your right, his left of that hand, you see that kind of tan looking thing on the rifle. That is a, a more advanced, no, no, not to our right, to his left, wow. our oh, uh, down, 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 down. That thing, yeah, that is a, is a PEC-15 laser. So uh, Lance Corporal is definitely an infantryman, but uh, <laughs> that's also probably in the eyes of the Marine Corps worth more than his life. Um, <laughs> so I, I understand that they would probably only have this shit if either they really needed it to use it, which quite frankly, uh, well, it's a training operation. I'll tell you why this is happening, because they wanted to get some cool URA photos. 100%, but unfortunately, yeah. a blank firing adapter, adapter makes them all look shitty, because that it's like, yeah, look me, at you. It worked on me, Francis. I'm ready. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I'm, I'm here to dispel the magic. This is uh, all done for PR shit. I'm also wondering, I've never seen, because obviously I was never a Marine, I never did amphibious stuff, but the stuff that he's got on his shoulders, uh, if that's kind of like a life preserver kind of thing, because... It looks like he's wearing like a sweet bitchin' tactical scarf, but it's actually <laughs> I, I it's, seeing it's, the guy behind him has one too. I'm thinking that's like a life preserver. It's the thing you you soak in some water and you put it on your neck to keep you cool in the yeah, summer. Yeah, little marine travel pillows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long boat ride. You take a little nap. And, oh shit! I didn't take it off. Sorry, Sergeant. <laughs> and if you throw up, it can absorb the vomit. Yeah. I just there's a that that scene from Saving Private Ryan where they're about to land in Omaha and the one guy's throwing up and the other guy is steadfastly packing a lip and I just <laughs> I, I always love that scene because like as a as a guy who used to I like I can't imagine like about to you know walking into like pillboxes and whatever check hedgehogs and shit and just being like the whole beach is my spitter. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably take a dip from him too, because I'm about to die. What, what, what difference does this make? And then, and then I'd be the one, like I'd hit the, I'd hit the beach and start running. A wave would hit me. I'd swallow the plug and then just be the guy throwing up next to the other guy, and then get immediately mowed down. With, <laughs> mowed down by just trying to signal the pillboxes to shoot you to put you out of your misery. <laughs> Listen, if you ain't gutting, you ain't trying. <laughs> All right, so better option than boats. Next slide. Trucks. What if we put ah, the yes. infantry in trucks and they ride in the trucks? Those are tacticals, Alice. No, because no, they don't shoot out of the trucks. They, they just sit in the back on like wooden slap benches, and then the truck gets close enough, they jump out, and then they go do war stuff. I, I will say that I was driving to York the other day. My mom uh, had a health scare. And we passed, uh, there's a there's a massive FEMA clinic, vaccination clinic in Philly uh, that's doing 6,000 shots a day. Imagine that sentence a couple of years ago. We just drove past yeah. a massive FEMA vaccination clinic. They, well, there's there was a bunch of uh, PA National Guard guys in the Humvees at 70, and I'm just like, I can't even imagine how that must feel. Like, these are good roads, just like my ass is shaking apart. The one guy was driving with earbuds in, and I was like, ah, yes. Pennsylvania's finest. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I can only. Uh, I'm glad those days are gone. Actually, yeah, because mm. it, I remember being in convoys in Korea, and it's just so fucking cold. Like those those things. Like they, yeah, they have heaters, but they just don't really get that warm. Like yeah. I just, I'm I'm lazy and old now. Hey, but on the plus side, now that you have this motorized infantry, you know you can just drive wherever you can kind of keep up with tanks maybe uh also people don't get blisters on their blisters walking to the thing um problems it's made of canvas right it's made of canvas and sheet metal if anybody shoots right. at a truck the truck's dead so is everyone in the truck so what's more survivable than a truck is a tank what if we made trucks more like tanks next slide please mechanized infantry Ooh, half tracks Half tracks, oh, yeah. half tracks, half tracks. Yeah, half tracks. Even just a fully tracked vehicle, like the Universal Carrier on the top right. There. I remember these. I remember these. Battlefield 1942. Oh, who could forget? I love that. Like all of these were invented independently, right? Like the Americans invent a half track, the Germans invent a half track, the British invent this Universal Carrier thing. None of them invent a roof. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's to get the wind going through your hair. It's a nice summer's day. Yeah. You're about to lose fifty thousand fifty thousand dudes taking half a kilometer of some shitty forest you've never heard of. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, I mean, the I like, I like up to your dick and mud in the Ardennes. I really enjoy. I love half half things like this because it really shows like a we don't really want to commit to one or the other. So let's put wheels in front of a tank and see what happens. <laughs> and just that everybody tried that was like, yeah, that makes right. That makes sense I feel like doesn't. trying I to make this a thing the I, whole I, war it's like i don't think it would steer that well i feel like it would you would turn the front wheels and it would just keep going straight They're apparently not bad they weren't bad at going over like rough terrain but they were useless on roads just because they couldn't steer um yeah correct me if i'm wrong but tanks can do weird turns by doing yeah, like one tread going place. forward yeah. and one one tread backward. Yeah, so I was just wondering like what that would be like when you also have the the front of the bus has wheels on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just scrape those tires down horizontally. Mm -hmm. You know, I am interested to see kind of how the gearbox for this works because you have to have two different drivetrains. You have to have something 
you know, running uh, the the treads in the back, which, you know, like Nate said, should move interdependently. And then you've got this, you know, this differential up front that has to move independently. Like, do they only go forward and then the steering is in the front? Or can, when you turn the wheel, does like it also make one of the tracks? Should you have pedals? Like, is it now like I want to the... get inside one of these and see how they <laughs> figured it out. Is it like the British three-wheeled car, the Robin Reliant, that it can't go backwards? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, as far as I know, like the the wheels drive, like uh, the wheels steer rather, but the, the tracks drive. Uh, so you can just like push forward and like the fucking Sonderkraft Fahrzeug two five one on the bottom here. <laughs> like if you look at that long hood, like two thirds of that is gearbox. So, <laughs> oh wow, wow. I mean that's that one is the most badass looking of all of them. Let's be perfectly honest. That absolutely looks like like. What Batman villains? Oh yeah, personal sex mobile. Like <laughs> it looks like genuinely... the forties Batmobile. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And like with with no roof, like it. On the plus side, you can just jump out and jump over the side, or you can like shoot from the inside out. But like, if somebody gets a grenade in there, then everybody's dead, right? So they're they're bats in Wagen. Hmm. None, none of these have weapons on them, so you need it open so that your your guys can get up and chuck their own you know grenades and shoot their own guns because they have no yeah real uh, the bottom one. Look at the the guy the guy with the helmet who's in the very front. Like that looks like a pintle mount in front yeah, of them. You might have so, like a light machine gun on one of these. Yeah. Well, that could that that could be a pintle mount, but also when I looked at it, it looked like a sign that a signpost that might be behind them. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true kind of too. A, so, but, but I mean, even, even that though, like if you put what, like one machine gun up there, you're still going to want everybody else to hop out and start shooting. Cause this thing is not that armored. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it can deal with some small arms fire, but if somebody, somebody gets like a recoilless rocket out, you're kind of fucked in this. Mm. And like, it's very vulnerable to any kind of indirect fire of anything. Um, oh, and air power too. I mean, yeah. the, good, yep. the good news is the Soviets didn't have any of that. They definitely did not have artillery or aircraft. So <laughs> smooth sailing. Luckily, it only takes skip to the next slide, please, until the 1950s for someone to invent the roof. Uh, <laughs> that God, is a beautiful, so fucking sad looking driving around. And it's a one one three, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This the is- 113, which we're going to talk about a lot, um, that is still used today. We still yeah, use this. I have been in one of those before. That That yeah. is typically, uh, they're typically used as medic vehicles in, in mechanized or heavy units. It's also mm-hmm. the first sergeant has a 113 that he drives where the commander has a Bradley and stuff like that. So uh, you make the first sergeant drive the the old timey car while the commander gets the new timey car. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that thing that thing was uh, was like a mainstay of uh, the U.S. in Vietnam, and we still use them today. Yeah. I like how it's just not a very cube well armored with tracks. Oh yeah, it's a big <laughs> shoebox, right? And like it, you you can put a machine gun on the top, like out of the hatch mm-hmm. in the top, but like mm-hmm. typically not an enclosed turret until mm-hmm. like. I don't know the last years of the war on terror when they started putting the like fucking like perspex. Uh, yeah, like- the, the the same more or less a variant of the turret that gets put on got put on Humvees where um, you know you started out with nothing and then you started out with like a sheet metal slat. And then you got a sheet metal slat with like a Hesco basket on top to give you some shade and some cover mm. or concealment. And then eventually you're like, okay, let's make it out of the same, you know, um, 
ballistic material with some ballistic glass and then finally finally i think they did get like enclosed ones but it, it took a it took a minute i remember when i was in afghanistan even uh new um asvs and mraps had the open top ballistic turrets so we we just we have, we have saving the guy who's on top of the big clown car has not been a priority of our defense <laughs> industry for a really long time wait they have wait nate those turrets are enclosed now not enclosed. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, uh, at the end of it, I saw if, if the turrets didn't come enclosed, then people people were making Hesco basket roofs for them. But back in my fucking day, back in my day, you back in my day, you got shot or thrown clear of the vehicle and you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did eventually come up with automated turrets, like ones that were controlled with a joystick. Um, that yeah. was something they were starting to put in. Yeah, like uh, like remote controlled ones um, to stop people from having to even be the up gunner, um, mm. which I saw. Yeah, I saw that being like, they didn't have a whole bunch of them. So they would make the, the front vehicle because if an IED went off, it would usually hit the front vehicle. So they yeah. would make that the one that didn't have a guy up there. We also had to like hook the, hook the turret gunner into the inside yep. of the thing. You had a big, big, big if, strap that was, you say hook, yeah. you literally, I assume mean strap the guy to the he vehicle. He wears an additional harness on top of his shit and he gets connected to the, like basically the, the floor plate of the vehicle. Yeah. So that if, if there's an accident or if there's a rollover, he doesn't fly out and get crushed or something. He can, he can drop down. It's like how cars have bodywork as part of the chassis. This guy is just a stability bar. Yeah, well, he he gets pulled. The whole thing of the training is you pull him in if you feel like you're rolling over. But um, I actually hilariously, even though I was an officer, I actually was the up gunner once because I was in a Humvee full of more senior officers. So I was the junior ranking guy. <laughs> so I just got up in the fucking open air turret with a M240 Bravo and my M4 and uh, just out just traipsing around some fucking roads. Yeah, it was uh, it was an experience, but um, I'm not going to pretend I did it on a regular basis. Uh, I also I also want to uh, point out the other the other thing that I love about the M113 is if you remember back in 2018 when a lieutenant company commander stole a quote tank, it was an <laughs> M113 that he yeah. stole a very nice looking one. There, it's the one if you look up if you look up uh, Lieutenant Yabbit. Uh, you'll see pictures of like what an, what one one threes look like now. They look a little bit nicer than this. We still do build them, and they are very kind of, you know, they upgrade it. They make them they make them for different things. We don't use this old Vietnam shit anymore. But yeah, he was he was on a quest to go get an anime wife, and he just tore ass around. <laughs> in a fucking... You guys are you familiar with that story, right? Joshua Yabbit, the first lieutenant who stole a one one three from his guard or reserve unit, and was just tearing ass around. What, what oh, state yeah. was it, French? Was it Virginia? It was Virginia. He was yeah. Virginia. Yeah, he was, was going. Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's he was going to where was he going? He was like right outside. Can't remember, but I really love that uh, he was live streaming from the inside. <laughs> DM, he he no shit DM'd us like a couple of weeks Dudes. before. I was like, hey, I love Rock. your show, guys. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> I get to downtown Richmond. <laughs> hey, some of you guys are all right. Don't come to the guard armory tomorrow. I, uh... that's, that's like forty miles too, man. He he took that shit on the highway and was just like, all right, let's go. And nobody <laughs> wanted to get in front of it because it's like it's a fucking tank. It'll just it's not a real tank, but it's gonna make. Your Miata's gonna work. have a bad day. Yeah, you can't, yeah. Really, you can't really pit maneuver it. Yeah, <laughs> I do kind of like the idea of just taking this to go to the bar in Richmond and parking <laughs> it outside one of the like hype the hype beast breweries and then just like <laughs> running it into their storefront over and over be like i heard you have ipas well a bunch of a bunch of <laughs> cops of a bunch turret. of police departments have these as like uh dod hand-me-downs they have uh, yes. uh, 113s 
Like this is even before they started getting like M wraps, they had these and they just used mm-hmm. them as like SWAT vehicles, which is yeah, wild. the LA SWAT. I remember like a long these, time ago. We have those, uh, yeah. bear cats and all that. Oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Philly mm-hmm. PD loves their fucking bear cats. Good to talk about. Oh, hey, he was he was found uh, not guilty by reason of insanity oh, yeah. in the armored vehicle. Awesome. Oh, nice. Good for good for you, buddy. I think he was also arrested for trying to go to Iraq illegally too. Yeah. Dude, at the dude same needs a time, help. or like he was gonna. I, no, after uh, like he went, he stole, oh, he stole yeah. the, he stole the one one three, and then he DM'd me afterwards, <laughs> like after he was kind of let out because he was just like, "Hey, do you want an interview?" And I was like, mm, "I think I don't, I, I don't think that that would be a good idea to to do any of that." And then later I learned that he tried to like just he flew take space civilian available. Flights. I think he, he, to, to get to like Turkey or something. I was trying to go to Iraq. <laughs> so he was... could smuggle himself into Iraq <laughs> to, to go fight the war. <laughs> like, dude, you're in the army. You were already like, you could just the go. thing that does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quit acting weird. You'll show up there eventually. I'm so sure. I was going to throw something in about helicopters just because oh, I, I yeah. was, a, I was a helicopters guy. I um, had to do the training stuff for Pathfinder school and all that shit. Um, so some of the earlier helicopters were uh, in the Korean War. There was, um, I can't remember the model numbers, but uh, they were very, very uh, elementary looking things. I mean, they, that they sad looking bell one that I'm thinking of. Oh, the of. fucking, yeah. Uh, the, the, the one that was literally like, a, it looked like an erector set with a glass yes. dome on the front. And they oh, used the, it for the MASH helicopters. It's, yeah, it, it's and they an alouette to me or like a gazelle, but like, I don't know what it is to you guys. Hilariously, they use these for Kazavak in the Korean War, but what that entailed was you had to put the, and I am not joking, the, there were like straps and like, uh, you know, loops for carabiners for you to strap the fucking stretcher to the skids of the helicopter. So if you got Kazavak in the Korean War, you were just balls in the open air flying on the <laughs> underside of a helicopter. <laughs> Ma- making getting shot the second worst thing to happen to you that day. <laughs> they eventually were like, maybe we should have a cover so that we don't kill these dudes who are in shock by giving them hypothermia. But in the initial incarnation of it, it yeah, it was open air. Uh, you got strapped to the outside of the helicopter. You were, you were full on um, like Stallone movie hanging out of a helicopter kind of shit uh, mm. to get taken to the hospital. Oh, you can still do that when you're like upright with the like oh, fuck is it an MH6 the ones with the like um the benches on the side yeah 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 um yeah I know what you're talking about AH6 MH6 yeah 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 I think those are called little birds I can't remember what they called Francis do you remember I I've always known them as little birds yeah 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 yeah, yeah. they're 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 but they're, yeah those are like full on specialty like cool guy helicopters like you don't really typically see those right <laughs> that, that's how you like back in the day you got special forces and now everybody just gets a blackhawk yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They have because they have specialty Blackhawks and specialty Chinooks and stuff uh, that they use for those guys, and that they crash into um, <laughs> into places in Abbottabad while they're oh, trying yeah. to. Yeah. So this this, this is just my, my my slide to introduce the concept of nobody can agree what to call this. Like it's <laughs> depending on who you ask. It's air cavalry or like heli mobile or air assault or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is air assault. Uh, would specifically be like you're doing a ground light infantry mission, but you're just getting there via helicopter. But like the helicopters aren't, they aren't like engaging. Mm. You know what I mean? Like like uh, it's just a mobility sort of thing. An air cav, as I understand it, was 100 percent the same thing. But they were so into the fact that they were 
the was it the first armored division or whatever yeah, the so fuck the, it was. So the senior NCO gets to wear the cool hat like in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like they, they, they because they were a cav unit, they decided to call themselves air cav. Just as the 101st Airborne is actually an air assault unit now and doesn't do airborne ops at all. Like aside from their Pathfinder companies, like there's very few people who are like have jobs in the 101st that require them to be airborne qualified because they do helicopter stuff. And uh, whereas the 82nd Airborne actually does parachute stuff, and that's why they break so many people and get them on VA disability, which is uh, universal basic income for warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've tentatively put down here that this works quite well. Um, yeah. I mean, if you need to get in a place, like the great thing is now is that the the Blackhawk or the Chinook that you're going in always has door gunners, usually one on each side if you're lucky. So even if have it's not even, escort as well. You typically have escort from from AH sixty fours or um, maybe a little I don't know, little birds and that kind of thing. But like you might also have Kiowas, um, you yeah, know, Cobras, you, eight, Kiowas, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've done a ton of air assaults. Like that's what we did mostly in Afghanistan. If we weren't driving someplace, we were doing a ground pounder mission. We were getting there in Chinooks, and Chinooks aren't actually designed to be air assault vehicles like that. But they're the only one uh, helicopters that could handle high elevation and high temperatures the way that because uh, like. It would be very challenging to fly people uh, in and around some of those passes in Blackhawks. And also Blackhawks don't fit that many people. So like, why would you want, I mean, doctrinally speaking, you're supposed to fly literally like a whole battalion in with, with Blackhawks and just do like, you know, eight lifts of 12 aircraft just over and over and over again. And someone at some point was like, maybe we just, we can literally throw like 50 dudes in a Chinook. Let's just do it that way instead. Yeah. Well, yeah, they say, hey, we've got a school bus that has helicopter blades and jet engines on it. What if we just use that? <laughs> and we've been using the Chinook for 50 years now because it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my experience was that um, I would much rather get to where I'm going in a Chinook than, than drive there in an MRAP. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. Ha- have M- you considered M- has... that that's expensive and the army yes. doesn't like <laughs> spending money? Well, the army doesn't like spending money on you. One of, one of my former soldiers got in trouble because they had to do like, they were forced to do like a survey on the way out of Afghanistan where they were like, fast, neat, average, friendly, good, experience? good. <laughs> they were collecting, they were collecting information for the people who make MRAPs and they were like, we want your survey like results because you guys were driving around the Max Pros, which were like a, a, a model of MRAP that was made by Oshkosh. And one of my soldiers for his comments on how can you improve this vehicle was collect them up, melt them down, and make more Chinooks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> civilian contractors making 10 times what that poor soldier made. We're not happy with that. Hmm. Yeah, there's never enough helicopters. Uh, and also, helicopters love to break down. So they do. Yes. They can't, they can't fly if it's, yeah, if it's, if it's too blowy or... So we 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 got to talk about uh, the Chad to the M113's Virgin. Uh, next slide, please. It's a BMP. Ah, uh, 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 yes. There we are. St- the what what the Bradley should have been. Yeah, and what what the Bradley was intended to be is we move away from the armored personnel carrier type of thing where it's like a it's a taxi, right? It's an Uber to the battlefield. To it's an infantry fighting vehicle. It fights on its own. It fits an infantry squad in the back, and then uh, it's got a turret. It's got a big gun. It's got a I just, fucking I just, missile I just the person took it out the front. Oh yeah, they're just, they're just chilling, hey guys. just hanging out. Hey guys, so that's, that's, I, I believe that's probably the driver because with these vehicles, invariably the driver is in like 
massage bed seat lying down, having to <laughs> yeah. fucking pull levers left and right. It's the weirdest configuration. Uh, fr- fr- friend of the shows, plural shows, Joe Kasabian, host of Lions Led by Donkeys, uh, was a was a tanker, and I believe he was a driver at one point. And Joe is like six three, and it's just like. Imagine this disgusting, huge Armenian inside trying to pilot this tank in this little fucking clown seat in the car. And also, like, it's we incredibly hot in those things. Yeah. And he was driving, tearing a tank around fucking Fort Hood, Texas, and then Afghanistan. <laughs> There's a huge problem with the BMP, though, which is that it's it's very, very good, and it, it's also Russian. And, like, <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be, that we're the ones uh, fighting this very good thing. Yeah. So anytime right. something good is on it, um, it's bad. That's right. We we, we got to have one of those for like the forces of democracy. Next slide, please. Yes, it's Omar Bradley, uh, f- famously famously Fame racist. racist. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I did just read an anecdote about him, which was that uh, he was coming back to the lines from somewhere and was detained as a possible spy uh, because a person. I guess the guard asked him, what's the capital of Illinois? And he correctly said Springfield, and the guard thought it was Chicago, so Omar Bradley was detained during World War II <laughs> by his own army. Discrimination <laughs> against nerds. So he was from, like, Nebraska or something. Mm. He was, like, full-on Great Plains guy. But yeah, he um, they, named, they named the ugly tank after him. Yep. This is why, and this is why I've always told my wife and my friends and everything, like, when I went to Iraq, I said, I don't care how, if I die, I don't care if it's all heroic and shit. Do not let the army name a goddamn thing after me. <laughs> Do not let them put, because, because there's a huge chance it's going to be a gigantic piece of shit that soldiers are going to hate. Like, if you go to any, you know, if you go to any military base and you go to shooting ranges, the shooting rangers are all, like, named after generals or soldiers or, like, people who have died. They're just like, I don't know, who, who died, who's got a fucking bronze star with valor? Throw his name on, you know, uh shooting yeah. you know the uh lane number nine or something and so invariably uh you just have people who are just like oh i gotta go to the fucking francis shooting range again the, fr- the francis horton dining facility yeah, the, fr- yeah. the francis horton masturbatorium here's the thing <laughs> the lower your rank the less important the range is so like for some reason they decided that one of the, the the like the warrior tasks and drills is setting up a claymore completely naked and they called that horton range so it's like <laughs> fuck <laughs> Shit, I don't want to go to Horton Range. Fuck. <laughs> well, also when I was and I, I and the, the the time that I like really that that struck this home and like I need to tell people this so that it never happens is I was in Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, uh, going through a side gate and it was an entry a side entry control point for like the for for the the, the tactical vehicles, our Humvees and shit. And deliveries, and it was named after a PFC who died in Iraq in 2006. It's like I never want to be memorialized this way. I never want to be like, yeah, go through the Horton Gate. It's over there. You got to follow the the fucking the cow truck over through Horton Gate. The main drag of Bagram Airfield in Afghanistan is named after a specialist named Jason Disney who died getting crushed by a piece of equipment. And it's like, it's just so it's Disney Drive, and everyone assumes it's for Disney movies for some reason, or that like it's a big clown show of you know fucking dancing hippos from Disney's Fantasia. You're and, crushed by a shipping container, right? And it's just yeah, something like that. And it just gets me because I'm always like, just checking Twitter. Literally, it's it's just it's just, it's it's one step removed from like in that ad of the, the or the, the the classified obituary, like in loving memory of Steve Mike Detmer killed by a bowling ball on January first, nineteen eighty five. Like it's basically that, but more solemn and military. Mm. So we got a capitalist BMP here on the right, pointing at Omar. 
Uh, it's an XM723. And it looks mm. kind of nice, I think. It looks, yeah, it looks, it looks BMP-ish. BMP-ish. Yeah, yeah, kind BMP. of lo- lo- low, to, low to the ground, agile. It looks like it looks like an armored Lamborghini Countach, which I really like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you know, it's 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 sort of, it looks fast and looks subtle. And somebody thinks, hey, maybe we can use this for reconnaissance as well as troop carrying because you use BMPs for that. It's it's probably fine. Um, next slide, please. I love the chart that I put on this one. Jesus Christ, Alice. It's the Defense That's... Acquisition Management Framework. What's confusing about the Defense Acquisition Management Framework? <laughs> I'm literally got First live show in Scotland is actually just going to be me fighting you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really funny, those firing ports, those weapons, the port firing weapon. I had forgotten all about those. But yeah, you see those... Uh, the On the right, the uh, that is a looks like an M16A2 or an A1 with a, um, I can't see exactly, but it's got, it doesn't have a stock because it's a port firing weapon. You have to, it's meant to be jammed out the port of Bradley and fired. I like how the plug is hanging there too. It's like, you got (laughs) to unplug the port and jam the, the specific M16 out the window. Like, can you, can you, can you even aim or are you just firing blindly? it's it's the the port the port firing weapon right i have a whole thing about this because it amuses me so much not only does it not have a stock it doesn't have sights um (laughs) (laughs) it's it's open bolt it's fully automatic only um in the manual that comes with the bradley it says do not use the port firing weapon detached from the parent vehicle unless it's an emergency (laughs) and if it is an emergency it gives you four warnings it gives you a warning that the muzzle rise will be uncontrollable. It gives you a warning <laughs> that the barrel collar will become hot to the touch. And it gives you a warning that you have to wear hearing protection and have something to catch the brass in. So this is like, th- that's my synecdoche for the Bradley, right? Is that like, it's originally designed to work like a BMP. You fit an infantry squad in the back and they can have like firing ports. They can shoot out with a rifle and it gets... Simultaneously, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the crew compartment gets smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller until you can't fire a rifle out of it. And you have and I gotta to have throw this something thing. else mm. in as well, and that is that Baron, please bear in mind the Bradley was designed before the advent of the kind of body armor that we wear now. It was designed in the era when some people would wear flak jackets. Whereas what we wear now uh, is basically an improved flak jacket with ceramic plates in the front, back, and sides. So I'm telling you, you'll wear your, your equipment vest on top of your body armor. When you have six dudes in the back of a Bradley with their full kit to include helmets and body armor and equipment vests, they basically cannot scratch their own nuts. They are so packed in tight. Like, you cannot, I mean, you can barely fit a squad in these fucking. Like, you you want to know how it, many people were supposed to get carried as passengers in the XM 723? Oh, God, please tell it's me like it was like 11. Like 12 squad. <laughs> it was 11 people. You can barely get a fucking firing team inside of Bradley. <laughs> like, it is so. Oh, my God, it's so small. Oh. Yeah. I, I've been crammed into the back of a lot of MRAPs, but I think the worst was anytime I tried to use a porta potty in full full uh my full kit. Because like they're they're not that big to begin with, but then you've got all this body armor and everything. And really it's like you wonder why they're so gross inside is because you really can't tell where you're pissing. You just have to like well, yeah, especially pull your if you dick have the, out the, and the hope Kevlar if you have the Kevlar dick flap. I can yeah. only imagine how many the people dick flap. accidentally pissed on their dick flap. <laughs> 
This is actually this is this is, a, <laughs> oh, this is a very this this is a common thing for toilet training in Europe, but in America we don't have a normal dick flap. So for us, the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 enormous Kevlar triangle hanging down to cover your dick is funny. Yeah, yeah you have to figure out a way a, a place to put the M16 so it doesn't go down into the shitter. You've got to figure out a way to uh, undo your 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 pants, your button fly as well. Uh, find your dick because there's just so much going on down there as is after you lift up your, so you got to have one hand holding up the dick flap, one hand holding yourself. You can't see anything because you know, it's, he's, he's been crushed down there, man. He's not coming out for anything. So <laughs> you just really, you're just hoping and praying. And it's like, maybe you'll piss on the wall. Maybe you'll get it into the hole. <laughs> Once you start pissing, then you can aim. It's like a tracer round, right? You gotta get the first little <laughs> bit out so you can figure out where you're pointing and then you adjust fire. <laughs> Speaking of, I want to, I want to highlight the fucking tow missile launcher that this thing has because somebody thought, Hey, the BMP can kill tanks if it's been a good boy. Why can't we kill tanks with the Bradley? Well, okay, we put a missile launcher on it. Where do we put the missile launcher? There's no room in the turret. There's no room in, in the crew compartment. Where do we put this thing? And the answer is you bolt it off of one side? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this is... And, and and I know we're going to bust on the Bradley a lot, but like there are so many different variations and iterations where they're just like, we can put... We can take this chassis and we can take this idea and just put different things yeah, it's onto modular. it. So, we can have all yeah, kinds so of terrible ideas on here. There was a Bradley, I'm pretty sure... I can't remember the nomenclature because I remember just randomly having it assigned in one of like the paper exercises we did in one of our courses. That it's a Bradley that's got like big stacks of Stinger missiles in it, and it's just like it doesn't really do. It's like yeah, you got a Bradley, but uh, it you basically can only shoot down Soviet helicopters and fix your <laughs> aircraft. You can't really use it for anything else. That's kind of that. That leads me so neatly into my next slide, which is the uh, the German city of Fulda. Uh, seems fine. Oh no! I guess. Looks is there, the is there a gap, gap here the that we're gonna? Gap, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, put it back, put I'm... it back, put it back, put it back. <laughs> Look, I I wouldn't go to the fold a gap, but the fold a hot topic though, maybe. Ah, there you go. Gotta fold a pier one oh, in. Oh, you guys like bring me the horizon. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing as we've all already identified here is that the thing about fold is that it's very flat. Uh, it's the only place for miles that is. And so there was this general understanding throughout the Cold War that if things went bad, the fucking Third Guards tank army would advance west through Fulda and not stop until they reached Antwerp. Um, and I can't stress enough the ubiquity of the belief among senior officers that this was the only place the US would ever fight a shooting war. Uh, yes. You would only ever have to, like... That's why you need the Stinger missile, Bradley, is because there's all of a sudden there's going to be fucking camoffs coming over the horizon in yeah. in swarms, and like you need something that shoots them down. Similarly, similarly, the Iron Triangle in Korea near Chorwon is 100% the same thing. It's like mountains, 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 mountains. Oh, big one flat area. All right, cool. That's what they're going to attack. All right, it's just going to happen. So yeah, similarly. We're only going to be fighting in good tank country against a numerically superior but technologically inferior adversary. And we're just going to have to like hold out and fight a delaying action until we get reinforcements or everyone gets nuked. Which mm -hmm, right. I've seen threads. I know how it yeah. goes. Um, <laughs> I have the next slide to, to show you how that ended. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Aww. 
I know. Shit. Capitalism I like the, happens. This, the, we've had to use this multiple times. I'm going to keep coming back to it. <laughs> yes, I know you are. <laughs> okay. He just recently turned 90. Yeah. Yes. Mm. He's still alive. That's so wild to me. I wonder if we can get him on the pod. Oh, we got to ask. Um, ask uh, Mr. Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev, uh, get on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I so- always wanted the Pope to be on the pod. Because, Roz, you're a Catholic. We could we could go to the Vatican and request an audience. I have loads of pull with the Pope, as you know. And tell him tell him that he's uh, he's anti-Semitic if he doesn't come on the pod. This is an Islamophobic. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So the fo- the folder gap's not happening. Uh, what is happening is the next slide. Uh, the United States, also Britain, also France and Germany, for some reason, get to take their Cold War doctrine on vacation, and we get the movie Jarhead out of it. And its sequels, which are totally yeah, unrelated J- to the first Jarhead two movie. and Jarhead three. Um, we get to invade Iraq for the last time. Oh yeah. That'll that'll never happen yep. again. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it's called a forever war, so you only have to do it once. Duh. It's <laughs> good point. <laughs> and we've solved war yeah. forever. Well, I mean, I think we can say that the U.S. did decisively win the first Gulf War. Um, yes. It, it, yes. I was going to say it sounds insane now, but this had the largest armored battles in history per number of like vehicles on each side, like more than the Battle of Kursk and shit. Yeah, if yeah. you were going to be a tanker, you should have been a tanker in 1991. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, had a guy that I worked for who had fought at the Battle of 73 Easting, and the reason why it's named that was because it's a big open desert in Kuwait, and so it's generally like the uh, 73 grid line on the map. Uh, like, you know, when, I, when, I, we, when we look at like a military map and, you know, like the map sheet is going to be listed as, uh, what's it called, you know, like broken down into grids or whatever, like it's called that because it, it was just an, an open wasteland. Yeah, great place to fight a tank battle. Not really typical of where wars get fought, but it was a place where a war happened. Yeah, it's a vacation. Um, and I mean, y- you get to do American Blitzkrieg, right? You get to do these big sweeping armored movements. It's great. Senior officers love this shit, man. They get to talk about tempo. You know how much they love talking about tempo? <laughs> a lot. It's just fucking blasting fucking damn Yankees high enough wearing a sweet, <laughs> unlicensed Bart Simpson t-shirt under your camouflage. <laughs> Try and rocking. stop us. Yeah, yeah, it's just fucking rocking. <laughs> and when you get done fighting, you just cool off with a nice can of Tab. What a great time to be <laughs> yeah. alive. What a beautiful cap to a, a stupid, stupid decade, the 1980s, to invade Iraq. Um, next slide, please. All had a nice time. Oh. Uh, it's not. It's not all good, and it's mostly not good for the Bradley, right? Like the US loses like what twenty of these. Yeah, and and seventeen of them to friendly fire. I was gonna say I, that nice. was my first guess. Was that every single one of them got fucking strafed by an A ten or some shit? Yeah, it turns out if you make something that looks a lot like a BMP but larger and more noticeable, um, the Air Force kind of takes exception to that. Yeah, and um, the thing was too is that the the Iraqi army was entirely kitted out with Soviet equipment, T fifty fives and stuff. Yeah. Uh, although, funnily enough, I I looked at them the, the like the three that weren't killed by uh, like the Air Force were mm-hmm. all killed by BMPs rather than like any of these T fifty fives or T sixty twos. So really fucking owned. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it was like they got killed because someone spilled a Gatorade on the front panel or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> spilled yeah, the China tap. syndrome. 
right, next slide, please. And we can just linger on this slide for a while, because this is like the problems, right? And okay. I have tentatively outlined the problems with infantry fighting vehicles. And the problems, as I have identified them, are called the Chechen Wars and the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. <laughs> I'd cast favorite. <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> recurring recurring guest, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Although I did see someone tweet after uh, after uh, Biden pulled ahead in Pennsylvania, uh, I would like and the Republicans were all like, "We're going to roll up on Philly with a team." Someone said, "I would rather roll up to Chechnya than <laughs> roll up to Philly." <laughs> well, you, you can see how rolling up on Chechnya is going, right? This is the first Chechen war. Read Arkady Babchenko's uh, memoir about it, but like it's it's a BMP parking lot, and it turns out that once you once you've made one of those on like a, a tiny narrow dirt road, if your opponent doesn't mind fighting dirty, and it turns out nobody minds fighting dirty, you can just blow up the first one, blow up the last one, slaughter everyone in between, which is not ideal, particularly if you're the like post Soviet Union Russian army that has no money for anything, including fuel. I like how they got out of the Soviet. They're like, we're not the Soviet Union anymore. What do you guys want to do? Oh, fuck, you want to go do some war shit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, why not? Yeah, you want to go so... invade Chechnya? <laughs> it used to be ours. Let's go take it again. Oh, like, shit. I, I mean, it technically so... still is. It's within it's within their borders. But yeah, they uh, they they were not. Uh, there's a whole history behind how the Caucasus became part of Russia. Tolstoy books about it. You know, some ethnic cleansing, some fucking just wholesale slaughter. That's, that's yeah. a joke. That's a lines led by donkey podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I sell yeah. I sell diesel for cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're oh we're talking about Iraq again. <laughs> That's why I have the yellow palm oil container. Yeah. <laughs> this is my this is my diesel powered vape. <laughs> <laughs> kind of want a palm oil like challenge coin or something. Anyway, uh, yeah, it turns then, out. Then you come to discover that the one guy who's just the shadiest landlord in Moscow was like, I was just trying to demolish the stupid building so I didn't have to repair it anymore. <laughs> why? Why did this have to? Yeah, fucking yeah. Islam Karamov was simply trying to charge his Samsung Galaxy Tab. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like this. This is a problem with like kind of all armored vehicles. Once you put a roof on them, is you're back to square one. You can't really see out of them. Um, you can't like maneuver very easily in crowded environments. It's it's suited for seventy three Easting rather than like a city where people live. And unfortunately, uh, the forever wars have mostly taken place in cities where people live, or towns where people live, or mountain passes where people live, which, again, not ideal for these. Mm. Yeah, not particularly. And, and when you also think about, yeah, they're not all that maneuverable, you can hear them coming a mile away because they're so fucking loud. Like, basically, they're not, they're, they're, they are incredibly conspicuous, and as such, like, they are very easy for people to to target and you know obviously in a city when you're surrounded by civilians it's very easy to sort of blend in with the crowd until it's time to attack whatever and like yeah these things are i mean the purpose you understand but as you said earlier alice these things are met with the expectation that there are basically no civilians on the battlefield and we are fighting in fulda and it's able archer gone wrong in the worst way you know like and that's not what wound up happening no. i mean able archer almost ended human life but it didn't involve Bradley's fighting BMPs. No. And instead, what you end up is like with Bradley's fighting guys who don't own shoes, which yeah. it turns out the guys who don't own shoes kind of have an advantage on that one. They're really good. 
Yeah, they're they're really good at what they got they nothing do. going on this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> right. And 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 people people like are are so like, how do these guys in flip flops and pajamas beat us in in Afghanistan and Iraq? Like, does nobody remember Vietnam? That was just a bunch of dudes in pajamas and flip flops with AK forty sevens, and they whipped yeah, the shit out. Turns of Turns out, here. The fucking the worse your footwear situation is, the better you are at irregular warfare. <laughs> but also, it's just one of those yes. things where it's like, yeah, you're going up against a bunch of people who literally like you've invaded their country and you've done next to no preparation for what you're going to face, and you're like, oh, well, I, 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 I mean, yeah, they they know the terrain and they know everything about the place, and they, you know, absolutely understanding what does and does not play well with people in order to gain influence. But like, but I did do the first section of free Rosetta Stone era. So I think we're actually going to win. <laughs> you, you know what says hearts and minds is a massive box with a rocket launcher and a cannon on it. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I can say? There was a situation where we were trying to fucking take off and there was a child hiding under the airplane. And I could say the boy is under the airplane in Arabic. So you know what? The war has actually been won. That is a, a niche joke for people who took... Uh, that's one of the first sentences they make you learn in Rosetta Stone Arabic. Cause like the boy is on the airplane. The boy is under the airplane. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Oh, it's like, it's like a donde es el biblioteca. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people, the first thing I do in Mexico is go look for the, uh, the library. Yeah. Yes. You only ever need to learn three phrases. Hello, where is the bathroom? And thank you. (laughs) Liam's counterinsurgency doctrine. (laughs) Yeah, are there any girls here? Would you you like to be Secretary of Defense? (laughs) I can do that. We will keep the B-52 flying until the fucking world meets its heat death. I genuinely had an instructor one time who was a senior NCO who was just like, yeah, I don't really speak Pashto, but I know that I can speak M4 and point and it means get the fuck out of my way. And it's just like... <laughs> All right, bud. Hearts and minds. Hearts right, and minds. I, I wonder why they want to shoot us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 other, the other fun thing about IFVs, as we saw in the first slide, you can just roll them over. Uh, you know, it's not, not ideal. Yeah, they're really flat and low to the ground, so as long as you get lift underneath one of them, they're kind of fucked. Yeah. I mean, on the plus side, right, like, clearly, US doctrine is very flexible, and would never, like, fail to learn a lesson. And so, next slide, please. It's resisted the temptation to cover everything that moves in armor, making it a larger and slower target, and also decreasing its reliability and approachability and I don't know I think the M- I, look, I I appreciated the MRAPs way more than I appreciated the Humvees because when I was in a Humvee I was expected to do stuff even if I was in the back seat and an MRAP they don't give a shit it's like if you're if you're just in the back seat they're like you can't look out the window for uh for IEDs, you can't, you know, keep an eye out for, you know, any side to side stuff that might come at you. So you just kind of sit there and like either we'll show up there or we'll be dead uh, one one way or the other. You, you literally, it's the military version of being the kids in the back of the car. It's kind of insane. Right. Like if you t- you know how like in the olden days, I don't know if you got, uh, how many of you experienced that, but the big station wagon, and then you just cram all the kids in the way way back of the station wagon. Oh, yeah. the rear facing like, seats. Yeah. Yeah, or the or the the rear facing seats, or the the seats that are pointed at each other. Oh like you yeah, in the trunk. The, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Take yeah. the thing out, and then it just became. But there were no seat belts, and it's just like I don't know if you cram enough kids in there, they just like cushion their own blow if you run into something because you had like three. Tom Collins at lunch. Yeah, well, I mean, kids are pretty durable already, so you know, you do have an advantage there. Yeah. When I had my Volvo, I I got the uh, the rear facing jump seats, 
And uh, I only ever used them a few times, but it was always great fun going like 95 on the highway. And people are like very aware of their own mortality. Highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, okay, maybe the Bradley is an example of sort of bloat in defense procurement where you start out thinking, I want this small, agile sort of BMP-like thing, and what you end up with is a large box with a rocket launcher bolted to it. But like, that's fine. Well, the the problem the problem that the army runs into a lot of times is they try they they don't want to say like, okay, let's build let's let's make a thing that can do A, let's make a thing that can do B, and let's make a thing that can do C. They want to say, why don't we just make a thing that can do A, B, and C? Maybe with a little bit of modulation, maybe a little changing, but you know, you make a you make a basic box. And then you attach shit to the box based on the mission that you need to to do, which is which is kind of like the F thirty five. They're like, well, what if an F thirty? What if what if an airplane could do all the things that all the airplanes yeah, what, do? What if a plane was like, a box? Right. What if you took a box and you just put a whole bunch of electronics into it, <laughs> and it could do it could do all the things? And it's like that's great, but also like you know the the F thirty five is in some ways a marvel of engineering, but also like the A ten does exactly what I need it to do, and it costs like. 14 million dollars to build one and they last for 30 years and if you shoot it it fly it can fly home with half a wing like (laughs) you can you can fly it by wire like it's they're they're fucking they're the tanks of the of the air and so why do i need this big fancy thing and it's oh because this senator has a uh has an electronics you know uh manufacturing in his uh district and this representative over here has a steel working thing so everybody needs to get together you know the whole that's the whole the whole country is building this uh uh this f-35 and what that really says to me is we can't figure out procurement yes and lo and behold they couldn't it was Um, the the smartest fucking thing the military industrial complex ever did and i remember my dad pointing that out to me because there's a a a BAE plant in York and just like the idea that you see you get every congressperson's district involved to build one fucking plane that way no one can vote no against it and I was like whatever 13 years old and I was just like trying to get some Taco Bell and old man Anderson is out here being like Let's talk about military procurement. <laughs> now let's talk about that's the how you became plan. that way. No, I mean <laughs> fucking General yes. Smedley Butler is your dad here. <laughs> yes. you, you know what's really funny though is that both the F thirty five and the Bradley are BAE systems, so they're both British. They're both like y- you've got to stay off our island. You've got to stop letting us fucking like con you like this. Stop let stop letting us kick Alice off the podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's a Liam and Rod show from now on. <laughs> like a, like a, 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 a lubricant line breaks and it just sprays the ground crew with hot Earl Grey tea. <laughs> <laughs> I love so I wanna I wanna point out about the Bradley. If you go down, if you like look at the Bradley um Wikipedia and you look at who uses the Bradley? Oh and, yeah, you know, morons. Oh, the real money on these is foreign sales, right? You want to go to the next slide? So, like, the real money is always in foreign sales, and there's there's two kinds of defense purchase, right? Defense purchase type one: useful military procurement that's incidentally a bribe. Hey, I see it. Type two: <laughs> uh, just flat out a bribe, and like. You hope if you build a bad item that people will just do the second kind. They'll just buy it for to like curry favor. Like fucking like for instance, 
Egypt has a bunch of M1 Abrams, right? Without the depleted uranium in them. They bought those because both to curry favor and because they work. Whereas somewhere like fucking Georgia will just buy strikers or something, not because they like them or anything, but because they really, really need to be on side with America. Now, the foreign orders for the Bradley, there's only one, and it's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Saudi Arabia bought 400 of these, which is a Jesus. laughably small number. Um, and Lebanon has some. It was used in the 2006 Israeli-Lebanese yeah, war. Yeah, Lebanon got like 30 yep. of the like Bradley A2s. Um, it's, it's interesting because the, the, the Pentagon wars, they... They use the example as the Israelis getting the Bradleys, but they did not actually get any Bradleys. <laughs> no, because they didn't like them, which, yeah. is, which is very funny to me. Uh, the, the, I, I have here a screenshot from Al Arabiya, which is the Saudi state broadcaster in English, uh, explaining about their, their new Bradleys, which they are definitely not using for war crimes. <laughs> Why, That's the only thing you can use a Bradley for. I yeah. like they describe it as the, as the Bradley killing machine. <laughs> it's quite a part loud there yeah, yeah. I was about to say right and see i thought originally i thought that this was an article about something that could kill bradley's but you know the but, english language is fun. no this is for killing houthis gotcha <laughs> yeah i was gonna say they, they, they determined that a 25 mic mic and a tow missile was absolutely the best combination for destroying school buses and there's like you know what we need 400 of them we need to make sure that we can line the entire rubahali with just these g giant clown turrets. That's what I want to see in my national defense. Look how fucking the, big they are. This entire export order just says, man, fuck them kids. <laughs> when I told Chris that I was doing this episode, he was like, which one's the Bradley again? And I showed him the photo and he's like, okay, so it's not, it's not a tank then, but why does it look like that? And so, like, <laughs> if someone with no interest in any sort of military stuff can come to that conclusion, I don't know how the the entire fucking Pentagon process for this was like, yeah, no, fuck it, make it. Uh, make a tank, but make it so it, instead of having a main gun, it has a comical, you know, Gallagher, the prop comic prop of a gun that just <laughs> says bang when you shoot it. <laughs> Make it really, really tall. Um, make it make it look like a tank, but with none of the upsides of a tank. We don't want any kind of armor. Mm. We don't want good firing. We don't want anything like that. And the thing is, is that the Bradley fighting vehicle as a troop transport, like if you just said, here it is, it's a troop transport. You can cram like 10 guys in there and it's got a medium kind of cannon on top. Then it's great. It does exact. It would do exactly what it needs to do. But there's like... They're they're expecting they're expecting too much out of this thing, and it's you know the the jack of all trades, master of none, but also it's a jack of like three trades, mm. and we don't do those things anymore. Mm. Well, good news. Tank would make it fashion. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's a, and that's another thing. Like people say, well, it's not it's not technically a tank. Like, how is this not a tank? <laughs> what does what is making it because like it's almost a tank. They certainly started as a personnel carrier. And I mean, genuinely, if you threw it, if you threw a main gun on there instead of the twenty-five millimeter cannon, like it would absolutely, it would fit the profile of any tank. I mean, yeah, I don't know yeah. how you would fit the loading mechanism and all that shit into that, considering how crammed for space it already is. But bigger yeah, it's, turrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger, bigger turret. Have the, have an auto loader on the outside of the tank for some reason. <laughs> 
Well, if you took out, if you completely took out the troop transport part of it, and wherever like the three dudes that can fit in here now are, you just put an auto loader in there, and then bang, the Bradley is now a tank. Yeah. Like if that's if I want a self-propelled 155 millimeter howitzer Bradley, that's just absolutely <laughs> like the most incomprehensibly unusable thing you possibly can get. Just, just like, <laughs> do it. Why not? You know what? You get through shit on this thing already. You threw a fucking Stinger missile launcher on one of them. You know what? Put big gun on top, little gun on bottom. Hell yeah, let's do it. Exactly. We'll get that. Some gun ports, put some everything, man. We got it. Just stick the Tesla autopilot in there so you don't need to carry any crew at all. <laughs> <laughs> then just set it, set it off, set it off from the uh, at the entrance to the base and say, all right, go go kill some people and come back later. And then it'll go, I don't know, run into Can a semi truck. The, the lane guidance. The lane guidance. <laughs> you put the fucking AI from that dog <laughs> robot, the Boston Dynamics one, yeah, into yeah. a Bradley. <laughs> Just throws itself into a ditch. Instructions unclear. Ditched self. <laughs> so, next slide, please. Uh, we mentioned this way up top, but like, still using the M113. Uh, yeah, 100%. Because cause it works. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's a box with tracks on it. It works quite well. It's fast. Uh, it's, it genuinely looks like he's got a, like a kit box, like a tough box on top, and a bunch of boxes of MREs. And I'm just like, hell yeah, yeah man, <laughs> oh, yeah. just just thriving, it. having having the best time of his life. Uh, no no cell phones, just vibes. Yeah, yeah that looks like it was shot at uh, the National Training Center too. So oh know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the box. F- fun times all around. Yeah, this is up to an M113A4, uh, and they're still using them for medical evacuation vehicles, a couple mm-hmm. of other things. I think command posts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, like I was saying earlier, you will um you'll see these as as medevac vehicles and you'll also see them as uh there'll be at least one in a in a in a mechanized infantry company, which typically or there may even be two. I can't remember if the XO of a company has his own Bradley or has a uh uh, a 113, but definitely the first sergeant has a 113. And yeah, they're, they're light, they're nimble, they're maneuverable, not very well armored, but I mean, for what they're used for, they they serve a purpose, yeah. I've got exciting news, though. You know how we just identified all of those relatively good things? Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> as of <laughs> September 2020, the army is now phasing out the last of these M113s to be replaced by the armored multi-purpose vehicle. Oh boy. Oh, please oh, tell no. me it's an MRAP, but just I, with treads. I, I have two punchlines about the, the armored multi-purpose vehicle tender. Punchline one, BAE Systems entered and won <laughs> with the Bradley, but, next slide please, without a turret. What the fuck is this? They <laughs> <lung> us <laughs> back to square one of the whole fucking thing. This appears to be some kind of barge. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley. Did Ross decide this? <laughs> it's it's got all the fucking boxiness of the Bradley, but with like none of the turret. It's great. They made my Volvo a fighting vehicle. So I'm gonna point out for uh the I think this is reactive armor on the outside, which is way better than like what they had. So I can see I'm looking at another picture. I see RPG cages on it, um, which are which are just, you put cages on the outside and RPG hits it. They're a good, like, you know, what, six inches away. So the RPG will blow up the cage, but it doesn't uh, impact the vehicle itself. So it's not going to do concussion. It's not going to blow a hole in it. But also this reactive armor, if you shoot something at it, the reactive armor blows up at it so that it, you know, is basically meeting force to force. Now, also on these pictures are 
I see, um, as Nate said earlier, the, uh, the joystick machine gun, but that's it. There's no, like, there's no cool, like, you know, here's a, here's something that can, you know, put a punch a hole in something. It's basically just like a 240 Bravo, which is a seven, six, two millimeter machine gun. There was a, a vehicle. I went to the armor museum at Fort Knox. Uh, I was there for a thing when I was still a cadet. And when we had some free time at Fort Knox, Kentucky, we went to, the um yeah the armor museum and they have one of the two prototypes of a vehicle called a t28 super heavy tank uh which was designed in world war ii but then they stopped it because the war ended and it is extremely long extremely wide it's double tracked so it has four treads and uh i'm telling you that's the first thing that came to mind when i saw this i was just like jesus <laughs> they, they made they finally made that fucking bitchin tank that i saw but this took the the main gun out yeah it's just it's just a fucking m113 but less maneuverable which so is the what bradley you want. is like a tank without a main gun and this is basically a tank without a fucking <laughs> turret or a yeah. couple of yes it's just <laughs> but noticeably not the same as an armored personnel carrier which is what we started with because uh yeah that was was punchline one of two punchline two is gonna get you though you ready for punchline two (laughs) (laughs) next slide please they made it bigger and they put a turret on it oh of course (laughs) oh my this looks like an armored snail i was about to say it seems (laughs) they're gonna replace all of the m113s start yeah they've already started doing that with these but what this is so fucking depressing i'm just gonna say that this is better than the bradley this is what they should have designed first like if they had if they had in 1968 came up with this with a with a machine gun turret on top and then we're like here it is it's good it can do all those things of course they wanted to do a bunch of dipshitty stuff with it like put a 25 millimeter on it but i mean look uh, look i have i've seen 113s i've never like had to drive in one of them but if i had to be crammed in the back of something i'd rather be, it be the uh ampb this, 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 this looks point. like a this looks like the abrams chassis though quite literally <laughs> it's I have, a, as it's I have a drawn, stretched bradley <laughs> it has an they put an extra axle on that <laughs> as as i have drawn on the screen here it quite literally looks like the homer <laughs> that's so incredible oh my god so that's, it looks like they just have a 50 like a 50 cal on it and that's yeah, it and that, that's going to be your ambulance that's going to be your your casualty so basically evacuation what they determine vehicle. is that f- too many first sergeants are retiring at like age 39 and have all of these fucking pension benefits so they're like we need a vehicle that will ensure that first sergeants get killed the most in battle so like, <laughs> give us the biggest fucking profile possible and replace the 113 with that Make it big with absolutely no kind of offensive capabilities whatsoever. Yeah, give me the rhino put, from Warhammer. Put a put a billboard on the side which says in bright letters in fifty languages, "This is a legitimate military target." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, shoot at us! I'm trying to think if I'm if I'm a Russian in like a T14 tank, and I just see that monstrosity come over the hill. And just like, how do I, how do, how does one react to that? Because like, it's literally no danger to you. There's <laughs> nothing that this can do to a modern tank. So it's like, it's, it's like, you know, punching, you know, punching a baby. Um, but it's your, but it's your enemy. So it's like, well, I have to punch that baby because it's my enemy. But like this thing, and then just a bunch of dudes come out and trip over their own feet and fall down. And then you're like, okay, now we can light it the fuck up. I'm just wondering, I just, cause it genuinely looks to me like, like they've taken the Abrams and they've repurposed it, but they've added a bunch of Rube Goldberg shit in this schematic 
and I can't really. I mean, I'm just, I'm just laughing. I'm like, what, what is the point here? Like, if you it's know what it reminds a- me of, it reminds me of those memes where like the guy's brain is growing out of his head into the form <laughs> of a chessboard. <laughs> well, it's just like if it's supposed to be a C2 vehicle, like okay, but it's huge. If it's if it's meant to be a a medevac vehicle, like is this? Is this meant to medevac an entire battalion's worth of casualties? I mean, what the fuck? Like, if it's meant to be, I don't know, some kind of all-purpose vehicle, like, it's just, why can't we make smaller all-purpose? Like, could you just take the ASV and, like, make it better? Like, make it less of a coffin? You know, but it looks like, because I think it was, ASV is like a, it's like an American variant sort of modeled off of the BRDM. And, like can we just have smaller vehicles like maneuverable vehicles like why, why does it have to be a tank <laughs> Be- because you know why because fucking soldiers are all whiny now oh i want air conditioning i need heating i need to be comfortable inside of my war i need a place to fucking put down my my burger king that i got down at the px at the war zone so yeah you know what and also soldiers are all fat now so we need this we need this now. It, it still only holds nine people. Nate, you joked about having a, a, a howitzer on this. They don't have that yet, but this does come in mortar carrier. Oh, fucking bitchin'. <laughs> well, there's a striker. There's like a there's a striker variant that has a 120 millimeter main gun on it. Which oh, is stri- striker general dynamics entered the AMPV tender uh, with a tracked striker, and they lost to turretless Bradley. So. <sighs> I have a weird fondness for strikers, but there's a really fun, hilarious detail about them, which is that the whole point of the striker was that they were supposed to be air mobile, like transportable on C-130s. And then they learned very quickly that inexperienced in Afghanistan and Iraq, that because they have flat bottoms, they're just getting fucking obliterated by IEDs. So they had to like make a V-hauled version with improved armor on the bottom, which now cannot be carried by a C-130. Like, (laughs) it's just... We love the army loves to just it's it's that it's sideshow Bob constantly stepping on rakes. BAE oh, yeah. systems call this the future of battle and say that it will oh, change yeah. the Do way they. the U.S. Army fights. Well, mate, it got a future of battle here. Yeah, it's the future of battle, <laughs> isn't it? It's versatile family of vehicles offer significant improvements in mobility, <laughs> force protection, and soldier survivability. Corey, you could you could jam all your mates in there. Yeah, just get them off to the pub. You know what really will change warfare is giving them the same vehicle but larger. I'm the British guy. I'm the British soldier who spent uh, two years in Northern Ireland. I was going to say that's the thing, Francis. Like, Do you some, mean the North of Ireland? Sometimes, <laughs> North of Ireland. Sometimes, sometimes you sound like you're trying to be Cockney, and sometimes you sound like you're trying to be the Peaky Blinders guys with like horrible Brum accent. So I just I don't know where. <laughs> I, I don't even attempt that accent unless I'm in, in, interpreting a slight different version of Ozzy Osbourne. So, Sharon, Sharon, they gave me a fucked up Bradley, Sharon. I can't even get on the bus, Sharon. Uh, well, that's that's my slideshow. That's my presentation. That's what I had on on the M2 Bradley. And as George Santayana once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to make it larger and put a turret on it. Yes. <laughs> I just want to be the guy who does the 3D renderings of the sweet ass logos of Program Executive Office uh, oh, ground combat cool. systems. Doesn't I bet cool they have stuff? really nice challenge coins. Yeah, that that looks yeah. like something that would genuinely be like, oh, we gave 3D Studio to like the bath party and they came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. That's that's what I want to. The person who does that probably makes more than someone who works for like a fucking VX or a VR studio. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do it. Mm. Do we have any closing thoughts about the M2 Bradley? Uh, uh, I think that the movie uh, Pentagon Wars is really good, but it doesn't uh, 
it kind of does does some injustice to it because there's when I rewatched it, there were scenes where they're like, "Well, they took the they took the gas out of it and they put water in it and they you know made they put inert rounds inside of it." It's like, well, yeah, if you're doing armor penetration tests, you do that, and then you're just like, "Oh, hey, look, it punched holes here in the gas tank. It hit this yeah. ammo box over here." Like, you don't want to constantly be blowing shit up. Yeah, it's it, do- it doesn't have things. to blow up every time. Yeah, there's there's a yeah. bit in there where they're like, "Oh," and they put a turret on it, and like the BMP has a turret the first one of the prototypes has a turret it's not that it has a turret it's that you made the turret out of a fucking shipping container yeah pentagon wars is good is a good movie but you gotta you do kind of have to take it as like this is not historically accurate it's not not a documentary it's satire about government procurement i just to me like when i look at this this ampv it just looks like what would be the engine on the train from snowpiercer (laughs) I I don't understand why they had to go that much bigger and that much like Unless the only thing I can possibly think of is that the army, the, the Department of Defense is constantly being pressured by Congress to tender more orders for tanks because they make a lot of money in the districts they're built in. And so the thought had crossed my mind that like, we just, we can't, we cannot force more Abrams on the world. So maybe we just need to build a different kind of Abrams and say it's the replacement for the thing that <laughs> Abrams replaced. And, you know, that's why kids don't have erasers on their pencils in school because we need more fucking Abrams, 78 ton Abrams that just break bridges it everywhere. It's so hard that you have so many Abrams tanks in storage. Like, there are just parking lots full of them and you're trying to sell them to anybody who will listen. You tried to sell them to Brazil last yep. year, which... <laughs> Imagine- Did we succeed? We sold a lot to Iraq, uh-huh. which are just going to turn into pillboxes. Yeah, Iraq, Iraq yeah. got some. Uh, Egypt got a bunch. Uh, fuck, who else? Why in the like? You're like, damn. The, the program executive office, like, are you really tendering another sales? Like, yeah, man. I mean, they really, they, they were completely sold on the, uh, the the Abrams tanks' ability to defend the Gilbert Islands. Like, uh, they're actually sinking faster now because of the one <laughs> tank you placed on the atoll. But so, hey, you know what? Australia bought the M1. Oh yeah, I believe it. Those ebus are tough bastards, man. One thing that's going to give us a tactical advantage in future wars is if every single other country also uses the same weapon systems we do. <laughs> the the Kuwaiti army fields two hundred and eighteen M1A2s, which is enough for one guy to drive around in them each, like whipping people with belts. Literally every single officer in the Kuwaiti army has his own M1 Abrams. It's crazy. <laughs> You know, I and and also the Bradley. Um, I think I don't know if the Bradley's been used for this, but uh, one one thing that I do like for for things like this and the Striker. You know, these things that are not necessarily tanks, but they're also not really just like a armor personnel carrier. Is like after after like the Millennium Challenge two thousand two, where um, the United States Navy got torn into by like um, fake you know uh, blokes who fish. To quote Milo. Right. What if we were fighting Iran? Wouldn't it be funny how much we beat them? And then, like, they smoke us because they're like, no, we're just going to use speedboats with uh, bombs on it and just blow shit up. So, like, now, instead of, like, on aircraft carriers and stuff, because an aircraft carrier always goes with, um, uh, 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 what, like, destroyers and shit like that. It has a it has an escort, but, like, they have no defense against the speedboat. There's, like, nothing. <laughs> if a speedboat is coming at an aircraft carrier, it's just, like, I can't, I literally can't do anything. So what they would do is they would just, like, park marine strikers and stuff up on the flight deck <laughs> and just be like if something comes at you shoot it with a 30 millimeter cannon fuck yeah okay it's a close-in yeah. weapon system now there you go 
Oh my we've, god! We have solved the problem. Uh, out of curiosity, I just wanted to say this, Alice. I thought this would be a funny thing for me to end on. At least is that I told you I looked up the uh, super heavy tank, mm-hmm. uh, and I just happened to be looking through the Wikipedia uh, article for it, and there's a subsection called surviving vehicle. And this is, I, just please bear with me because this is such a, number one, this is such a military guy or military civilian contractor guy is editing Wikipedia sort of way of <laughs> phrasing a thing. But B, also, it's just, uh, it, it, the story is an absolute roller coaster. So in 1974, the last prototype was discovered abandoned in a field at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. Camouflaged in the middle of some bushes, it is unknown where it spent the intervening 27 years. It is the sole remaining example of these tanks and was exhibited at the Patton Museum of Cavalry and Armor in Kentucky. In 2011, it was shipped to its new home at Fort Benning, Georgia. It was placed in the new Patton Park, which is a plot of 30 acres where all the tanks being stored at Fort Benning are now displayed. Unfortunately, the vehicle was damaged in January 2017 during transit to another facility for external refurbishment when it broke loose from the M1070 hat carrying it. The transporter failed to negotiate a downhill slope and subsequent turn at safe speed, causing the securing chains to break and allowing the T28 to slide off the trailer. Despite then rolling into a ditch, only minor reparable damage was sustained to two bogies. The outer track units had to be removed. On 10-30-2020, the outer track units were reconnected at Fort Benning National Army and Cavalry Museum as it being moved indoors for preservation. So you know what? This will also be the fate of the Bradley at some point. The last uh, surviving it, Bradley the gently last... rolling off of a trailer. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> up into a ditch. <laughs> to and end you know up like the first slide. Exactly. And we're just going to say to ourselves, thus as it ever will be, it has returned to its natural home upside down in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it there. Like, uh, have that the museum exhibit. From from the earth you came and to the earth you shall return. <laughs> ashes to ashes and rust to rust. Right. Yes. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining me Thank on you. this, yeah, this adventure good. into tanks that are not tanks. Yes. Thank you very much for, for, for tolerating my digressions into the T-28 as well as much else. And thank you, the listener, for subscribing to either Well, a Hell of a Way to Die or Well, There's Your Problem to get yes. this. Or both. You should do both. You do could both. do both, yeah. Yeah, me and Francis talk about stuff like this all the time. Uh, no cool slideshows, but uh, the spirit remains the same. That's right. Yeah, if you really want to hear more about uh, two dudes making fun of dumb shit the army does, boy, have I got a podcast for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>